Hello and welcome to Reading Literature in the Age of Trump. Uh, my name is Sosie Boloyan and today we're joined by Julie Millay, Claire Brennan, and Luis Soto Ramos. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, The King is Always Above the People, written by Daniel Alarcon. Um, this, is, this book is a short story collection focusing on father-son relationships, uh, the value of performance, and uh, the consciousness uh, revolving around migration. So, um, Luis, why don't you start us off? What would you say the main theme or message of this book is? Um, well, I think you kind of said it already. It's, um, it's, a, lot of, uh, it, or it's a lot about immigrants and this migration theme. Um, uh, a lot of things about uh, leaving things behind and not, be able, or not being able to go back. Um, but I, I want to say, like, one of the main themes that I saw was uh, pretense, um, you know, pretending to be someone you're not. Uh, we see this in all of the stories. We see Nelson, he's an actor, he's pretending. Uh, we see this in the Auroras, um, uh, you know, he, he, he's pretending to be a doctor or, uh, um, or uh, I guess in all the stories, um, and I, I guess that you know that really plays a vital role into like what this kind of book it's is about. You know, um, I don't know if you guys have yeah. any. I, I would agree, and I think that um, even more than that, it's sort of the projection of oneself into the society that they don't necessarily fit into, which I think is an overarching theme of immigration, um, just sort of as the book um, progresses. And I think that um, to sort of delve into that more, the stories with this sense of identity or maybe this sense of a losing of identity, um, there's this image of vulnerable human frailty and it's highlighted by um, sort of this marginalization of um, immigrants in the way that he writes. Do you have anything to add, Claire? Um, a theme that I really noticed throughout the book, whether he was talking about people moving to new places and migrating or people pretending to be someone else, was the theme of reinvention. Um, I think in a lot of the stories, the characters have hopes for a new them or there's somewhere they want to move and whether it's the city or the country or the capital or the US they're always hoping for something more yeah so these are like a lot of there's like various messages it wasn't just like one uh, like overarching me uh, message I thought like in this book um, but in terms of like the overall purpose what mm -hmm. would what would you think Julie um, I think that the purpose sort of like the purpose of a lot of literature is to be able to show a perspective that you wouldn't normally um, be keen to recognize or necessarily become em empathetic to, um, especially if you know you've lived a life where you wouldn't be exposed to tragedies or struggles like the ones that these immigrants go through. So I think that um, the things depicted sort of show this everyday battle, and. It does it very artfully because I don't think that it focuses so much on this collective struggle, but the individual struggle. And that's really what speaks to the people that read about these characters, is that you're not only shown them 
struggling in this greater sense, but the struggle of the day to day. And that seems universally relatable. And that's what makes the story more palpable. So I think that the purpose um, sort of generally is to create education and sort of uh, further people's knowledge of what other people go through that they might not be exposed to in their everyday lives. That reminded me of um, a quote I read from Alarcon, because he said that he wanted people to maybe learn something from his book, but he also wanted them to feel less alone. And a lot of the stories are people not quite achieving their goals or the thing that they want. Like, it's not always an easy path to it and all the different things they go through that make them become who they are. So I think he wants people to see themselves in that, even if their lives are completely different from what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, I agree with that too. Um, the thing that gets me though, and I think we, we mentioned it already, uh, somebody in class mentioned it last time, um, is like, why is this called uh, the king is always above the yeah. um, You know, and I, I even reread the story, you know, of the, of the title name. Um, and I, I don't know, I still couldn't quite pinpoint, like, why he chose this title. Um, I, I think even a better title would have been any of the other stories. Uh, yeah. The Provincials or, or the Auroras mm -hmm. even. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Honestly, it, it might be kind of like ironic because mm -hmm. he, like you guys touched on, he talks a lot about like migration and immigrants and like their daily struggle. And they, I mean, they're the majority. Are like we're you know, it's not just like the king and like not a lot of the stories I felt were about like a, a power figure. So I, I don't know. It might have been kind of ironic because. Um, the story that uh, the king is always above the people is kind of based on this postcard of um, a dictator who's being hung and then um, the villagers like surrounding him at the bottom. So it's kind of like uh, literal in the sense that the king is above the people, but figuratively it's not necessarily true because it's kind of presumed that the dictator was hung from mm -hmm. the people, probably. Yeah, and even... I mean, I could see where he might want to go with it, with uh, the dictator. Um, you know, a lot of people migrate uh, or, or from other countries just because of their, um, uh, their government, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that story is about a dictator or, or, you know, in the background there was a dictator and now it's changing to a more, dem you know, democracy and that's not working out either. But the reason like people are leaving is because yeah. mm -hmm. uh, of like these struggles with politics and government. Um, and you can maybe tie that to each story. I mean, they're all kind of escaping from something. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, you know, political struggles, but I can see where like he might make some comparisons there or collectively group these things. I think um, the use of the even just the word king is very uh, rich with um, connotation and it sort of gives a feeling of classism or hierarchy. Yeah. And I think that that is a major, another major theme of the book is, you know, there's the have, have nots, but there's also, you know, all those people in the middle, maybe they're coming from another place. And so, um, yeah, I think that the title 
while confusing, does make sense in that way because it shows sort of this greater idea of, you know, what do we all aspire to be? You know, what are all the um, economic gains of being a king or being considered above other people? Like, what is success? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody, uh, yeah, every character in this novel, um, or not novel, but I guess collection of short stories, every character kind of asks themselves that. And they try to find their own success, maybe with um, the exception of the last story. Um, but yeah, I think that it, it speaks more to the, the hierarchy of classism and how that affects um, daily life. Yeah, so um, what would you guys say are like some of the vital scenes that um, maybe portray um, these messages? Um, I, w I would actually say um, from the story, The Provincials, uh, I feel like the bar scene was uh, especially intriguing and then it definitely showed the, um, the value of performance, but also this um, consciousness around migration. So uh, Nelson um, and his father, Manuel, are like, you know, traveling to uh, the province where they originated from. Um, to settle the estate of their relative who has just who has just passed away, and while they're driving through the towns, they see this outburst of two men fighting over the death of Joselito, and um, Alarcon has this great line about how the audience affects a performance, and we behave differently when we are being watched. And um, after witnessing this fight, Nelson, who is a striving actor, decides to pose as his brother who lives in California and sort of puts on a show for his father's old friends at this bar. And um, Santos, uh, Manuel's old professor, enlightens the group um, about migrants and this, you know, almighty developed country of America. And from speaking from a provincial standpoint, uh, Santos says um, that uh, nothing impresses us unless it lasts 500 years and we can't even begin to discuss the greatness of a thing until it has survived that long and he claims that like Americans look at provincials with this anthropological gaze and he feels sorry for them because they don't understand and he talks about tradition and how they do things a certain way um, in the provinces and uh, Santos, he, he asks Emmanuel, the father, why didn't he leave the estate to his son? And mm -hmm. the father responds that he didn't want to burden him with it. And that's kind of, I feel like, an important part of this story because Nel Nelson launches into this like mini speech about how migrating to America is an opportunity to be free and to choose what to do for yourself and not feel obligated to take over the family business whatever your father has set up for you I, I don't think Alarcon is saying that like you shouldn't do this that it's it I don't think he's saying it's not okay to stay um, with your family and keep up traditions mm -hmm. but I think he's like trying to show us that it's okay to chase your dreams and if it means leaving home and changing your traditions or your outlook by all means do it who cares if your family doesn't want you back yeah you know, like it's all about you know yourself you're trying to make things better for yourself yeah um, uh, oh, oh, I was just gonna say what, what you said about the audience uh, changing when watched it um, it reminded me of uh, a Chekhov quote um, from the lady with the dog 
where I think it's something along the lines of um, our secret lives are the lives we truly lead. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of that dichotomy of, you know, an audience changing if it feels like it's being watched. Or do people really live the way they want to if they feel like people are watching them? And that, to me, opens up an even greater discussion on what immigrants go to day to day. Because should they give up their culture? Should they assimilate more? Mm -hmm. Are they being watched in the little things that they do to sort of create this melting pot effect of America as Mm -hmm. we see it today? Um, Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point you made. Well, uh, on a personal note, uh, I'm going to go off tangent here, but um, so I actually was born in Mexico and... uh, I just got my residency like not too long ago. I'm working on my citizenship now. Um, uh, I remember I didn't go back to Mexico for a long time. Um, so I didn't know any of my relatives. So I kind of uh, relate a little to the provincials. Um, and then my Spanish changed because I hung out with a lot of people you know, from work. Um, they spoke Spanish, but they spoke a different Spanish. Um, most of them were from Mexico City. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but like everybody else in Mexico hates people from Mexico City. <laughs> they hate the way they talk to. Um, so if they recognize your accent, uh, which is called uh, Chilango, um, they'll just like, uh, I don't know, they just don't like you. Um, is so, there, is so, there like a pretentiousness to it or something? Yeah, because you're, you're from the city, so like, you know, there's more capital, there's more people who, you know, universities there. Um, so yeah, um, and then so I picked up some of that accent just with, by hanging out with some of my friends here, um, and so I went back to to Mexico, and then I met some of my relatives, and they were like, "Why do you speak this way?" <laughs> um, I'm like, "I don't know. I just hung out with my friends. That's it." Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of strange how like, um, I mean, here there's not too much of that. Like, would you say you hate people from the city? No, right? No. <laughs> like, would you say, oh, he's from New York, yeah, I hate that guy, or he's from San Francisco or L.A.? I mean, like, maybe L.A. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing there's... Drive north. <laughs> the thing there's a lot of cities, major cities here in the U.S., and, like, I want to say in Mexico, just the main city is Mexico mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. So everybody just knows that city. Like, there's not a city over here, here that you're from. That, um, yeah, I don't know. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's really interesting um, because I I didn't I didn't think about that before. How like the United States, bunch of cities, mm-hmm. but maybe you know for places countries like Mexico, maybe mm-hmm. not so much. Yeah. yeah. That reminded me of the scene I think in the King is Above the People story where um, he's from the country and when he moves to the city he's working at his job and a guy from the country comes in and they have this thing with each other where he's like oh you're from the city you're from the mm-hmm. country yeah that's but a major he thing really that... is from the country too yeah. so that's just another example of like changing his identity to fit what he wants yeah there's always this oh you're from the city right? yeah we don't and then like it gets <laughs> it gets him killed that he's from the country like, yeah. right after that mm-hmm. So I guess they have the same thing in whatever unnamed city they're in. Um, So overall, what what did you particularly like and dislike about this book? 
Um, Claire, why don't we start with you? Um, I have a lot for this. Um, <laughs> like, I did like the book. I really loved the way he described things and described people. It just makes you think about things you wouldn't normally think about. Um, but it was more difficult for me to read and enjoy just because of the vagueness, um, the lack of clarity in each story about exactly who's who and what's going on. Um, I just, I tend to get distracted as a reader mm -hmm. more often, so I kept on finding myself, like, accidentally blending stories together a little bit, mm -hmm. since yeah. they're so similar. You guys, you like it? Um, you know, we talked about this at the end of class, and I wanted to talk about it more, but um, this, like, mystical aspect mm -hmm. of the book, um, I think it's kind of like what you're saying, too, but... Um, it reminds me a lot, and, and, and I know the professor who quoted a, a reviewer saying that it's like Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Like, have you guys read uh, Under Years of Solitude? Um, well, that was, you know, it's, it's got this same kind of mystical aspect where you, you don't really know, like, like where are these set, like, or, or what time are oh, these yeah, stories yeah. set? Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems like it's almost like a different planet almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure, there's mention of, of San Francisco, um, you know, but like, where are they at exactly mm -hmm. when, when the action's happening? Um, I like that part of it. Mm -hmm. And especially with the beginning, with the, the thousands, like it seems like it's just this whole nother group, like just mm -hmm. coming and making their own country almost. Um, yeah. I really like that. It's kind of like how in class, I think someone compared it to David Lynch. Like you kind of just have to not question the things that are off and just like go with yeah. it. Like no matter how nonsensical it is, cause it's just, you have to accept that it's not going to be explained. Yeah. That helped me read it. Yeah, I definitely found like a lot of the stories really quirky, but that's why I like, that's why I liked it. And I, I also like collections of short stories in general. Um, but and I was just I just felt like really captivated by all of them and even though it was like hard sometimes mm -hmm. to like figure out the real message like I liked that like I liked that I had to think about each story mm -hmm. and you know what he was trying to say and like the particular quirks like um, in that in that story about the blind couple mm -hmm. I thought it was so weird that two people were saying oh the husband killed the wife and then the right. other person was mm -hmm. like the wife killed the husband I was like and then Why? they never go back to that and then yeah. they never go back and to are it. they really blind yeah, that was yeah and they're like oh no they're <laughs> not blind or he wasn't blind but then she wasn't blind and it's like what what like and it's kind of maybe that Mm, like kind of performance in a way I yeah. guess like you don't really know what's actually happening you just see it and uh, it's just there like you have to take it for what it is but you don't know if like that's the truth I guess mm -hmm. I don't know but my favorite thing about the book was just some of the imagery is so unique especially things that are plot elements and they just stay with you like I listed some of them that I loved like the fire with the pigeons coming out of it mm -hmm. I've just never like pictured anything like that um, the bridge collapsing and like Hernan going crazy and beating the guy with the tub like yeah there's just it's there's so much <laughs> yeah yeah I think too um, to speak to sort of that mystical element sort of um, things that are popular even in culture today David Lynch is still relevant um, I mean Black Mirror the Twilight Zone they all depict these places but they're not really placed Mm -hmm. And somehow through that ambiguity, we see this greater sense of truth. And 
um, mystery and things that we have to figure out. Um, I think sort of through that lens, what I particularly particularly liked about um, the stories was it creates this uh, sort of visceral experience with the things that people are going through where, you know, it, the specifications of their lives might not be spelled out for you, but it's the feelings that mm -hmm. are, and mm -hmm. those are things that I think really draw in the reader um, and, you know, act out on our own empathies and our own sympathies and our comprehension of these lifestyles that um, are maybe far from our own. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like as soon as you place or put it in a setting or in, a, in, a, in an actual country or in a certain time, like it gets political. Mm -hmm. um, and then people are going to interpret it, oh, well, he's from Peru, uh, he's obviously talking about this, um, but it's still kind of vague in the book, so mm -hmm. you can't really say, oh, that's, that's definitely when he went to Peru, or, or that's definitely about Mexico, or, you know. Um, so I like that it's so vague that you can just, you know, you can argue, it's like, no, how do you know it's about you know, Peru, or how, or how maybe it's about this other country, like, mm -hmm. you don't know. Yeah, you can also take it, like, any way you want it, kind of, because, mm -hmm. like, you, you yeah. may already have, like, oh, it, it's said in Mexico, even though you're not sure, but mm -hmm. some, someone else might have a different opinion, and I think that's what makes it more relatable, too. Yeah. I think that part of his message is that these places, um, like, no matter how different they are, people's experiences overlap um, when they're trying out new beginnings and moving places. There's similarity like across different regions yeah yeah um so three minutes yeah. uh so considering that this class is titled um, reading literature in the age of trump <clears throat> how has this book helped us understand this trump era in any way um luis what do you think Dang, i knew you were gonna call me <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh okay so I mean, it's gonna get political no matter what, right? <laughs> um, so obviously, Trump has made it a big priority, uh, you know, immigration, a big priority. Yeah. And now apparently it's a national emergency, but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I mean, obviously it's relating to us right now and what's happening with, uh, you know, our government and our immigration system. And even, God, even more recently, the whole Venezuela thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you yeah. know, there's a bunch of stuff going on down there with, you know, their president and they're wanting to overthrow him. And of course, all these people, you know, they want to escape it. Um, so, like, where else are they going to go, you know? They're just going to yeah. migrate to other countries because their country sucks. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then, you know, there's the whole thing that we're involved in, or we're promoting the new guy from going into power in Venezuela, but, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> um, I think that touching on that theme of value of performance, I think we can all agree that politicians have to perform in front of us, mm -hmm. basically, and they have to act confident in order to be supported and respected. And Trump's personality is one of a kind, and it has helped him receive lots of attention. Um, whether the, publici the publicity is like good or bad, he profits from this attention, and it, um, and it just emphasizes this value of performance and the power behind it. And maybe even just specifically monetary success, 
Because mm-hmm. I don't think he, in my own personal opinion, is that doesn't perform very well academically, intellectually, right. you know, just as a baseline. But even more than that, um, he's taken more seriously because of monetary success, not and not even his own, but you know, a success that was maybe given to him through privilege and institutionalized opportunity for somebody like him. So I think the book, to me, is relevant because it's the people that don't have that opportunity yeah. that are underrepresented, and that's why it's important that they're represented. It may be in narratives throughout this book. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I guess that's it for us today. Um, thank you all for joining us this discussion um thank you